Good morning. Let me get over here. I'll try not to walk around so much today. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about these baskets. They're kind of going to be an Easter basket for the people at the Nurse Norman Crow. There's just some, some little things you can put in there for them so that they'll get stuff and just get some needs that they have. It's just an opportunity for us to be able to minister or to help minister to them. And the yard signs, we have the little stakes that they go with and everything, and they're free. Y'all can pick them up, put them in the yard, just show the town that Jesus still loves us. Um, we also have the, the tumblers that we're selling. has the church logo on it, 30 bucks. All the proceeds will go to the mission trip. We have the mouse pads, and then we still have T-shirts. And then, of course, the little church house sitting out there on the table. Any money that goes to that will also go to the mission trip. So yesterday I saw something that was kind of disheartening. We were driving around on the side streets, and we saw two U-Hauls across the street from each other packing up. You know, we're going to be losing a lot of people with this closure. I got a very dear friend of mine that's going to be leaving. And if y'all don't mind, I'd like to pray over them right now. I'm kind of getting upset, so if y'all mind coming up, Max and Brittany? I've known Max for, golly, over 20 years. You know, we worked together. We played softball together. Got in a lot of trouble together. And now to get to be brothers in Christ together, man, that's just awesome. So, babe, Amber, y'all come up. Anybody else that wants to come up and pray over them? Sorry to call you out. That's what happens when y'all show up. <laughs> My Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this family and thank you for this man. And I thank you for the testimony that you have given him. Father, even in the, in the rough times, you were with him. And Father, even though it's heartbreaking that he's leaving, man, I'm just excited for him. And I'm excited for him and his family and, and the blessings that you're going to do for him and just the way that you're going to let him share his testimony with others and just, just to glorify you. Father, I just pray that you'll bless him in all that he does. I pray that you'll bless Brittany in all that she does and be with her kids and just give them some good godly friends to hang out with and just let their light shine through you, Father. We love you. We praise you. We ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you, brother. Sorry to call you out. <laughs> so if you would please stand sorry I do that a lot make y'all sit down and stand back up oh it's going to be John 13 we're going to read verses 1 through 17 it says now therefore the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from the world to to this to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and supper being ended the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Simon's son to betray him Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God rose from supper and laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. 
for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and, and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of others. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, we just want to come to you today, and we just ask that you'll just speak to our hearts and to our minds and just let your word resonate on us. Father, I ask that you just remove me from the situation. Father, just let your spirit flow through me. Father, I love you and I praise you. As you say in Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll notice there on verse 17, it says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It doesn't say, if you know these things, you're blessed. And all through the Bible, it's telling us that we've got to get up and do stuff. Romans 2.13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. James 1.22-25 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And then we turn over to Matthew 7, 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now see, in this verse, he's not talking to the people outside. He's talking to the people inside the church. He's talking to the people that come to church every Sunday morning. He's talking to the people that say, oh, yes, of course I'm a Christian. He's telling these people, not all of you are going to come into heaven. And to me, that's very scary that, you know, coming here isn't enough. We've got to go out and do things. And it reminds me of a story in the Old Testament where Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt. And they had all seen all the miracles that God had performed, all the plagues. They got to the Red Sea, and they witnessed him parting the Red Sea and then bringing it back down on top of the enemy. They witnessed when they come to the place that there was no water for them to drink, that they took a tree and they threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. They witnessed the manna coming every day. All these miracles they witnessed. And then when they got to the promised land, the land that God had promised them that he was going to take them to. The land that he said, I will give this to you. They sent 12 spies. Those 12 spies came back and said, man, this land is awesome. It's definitely the land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, look at the fruit. It took two of us to carry it. It was so big. This is an awesome place. And Caleb said, let's go. Let's go take it. It's ours. And they said, no, no, man, we ain't going. Them people are too big. They're too scary. We're not going. Caleb said, man, God told us he's with us. We got this. All we got to do is go. And they're like, no, no, we're not going. And they, the 10 turned the entire congregation against those two up to the point where they wanted to stone those two and kill them and go back to Egypt. But God intervened and said, no, that's not going to happen. But what's going to happen is you are going to wander in the wilderness until every one of you are dead. And you're not going to go into the promised land. You're not going to go to the land that, I, that was promised to you because you didn't follow me. 
But in Numbers 14, 24, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. You see, we have to do more than just come to church. You know, God has really put a sense of urgency on me that we've got to start being the church and not coming to church. You know, if we look around, there's a lot of empty pews in this church. And that's how it is in every church in this community this morning. We need to be going out and bringing people to us. We need to be going out and serving. Because what we're required to do, what we're called to do, is to go out and minister, not to come here. We should be coming to church on Sunday morning spiritually exhausted because we've poured out everything we had to people all week long, and we come back here to get refilled. But if we're coming here just to check the box and go home happy, we're not living right. And that's what Jesus is telling us, is that not all of us will enter the kingdom of heaven. But if we go back to, our, to John 14, or John 13, verse 15, it says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now here Jesus isn't talking about we should go out and wash feet. He's saying we should be servants. We should go out and serve the community. We should go out and do things. We should follow Jesus' example. In 1 Peter 21, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. I want to reread this, and I want you to put your name where it says you and where it says us. So it will say, For this, Cody, you were called, because Christ also suffered for Cody, leaving Cody an example that Cody should follow in his steps. You see, the Bible is personal. And when we read the Bible, we should read it as Jesus talking to us and God talking to us. And we should do more. And we should be more involved in this community. And we should be like Jesus. Jesus has given us an example, so we should live like him. So I've got six things that Jesus has done for us that we should do. Number one, Jesus loved us. So we should love others. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37, is, Jesus gives us the two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. So loving somebody is pretty easy. I mean, we all love somebody, right? But how did Jesus love us? How did God love us? He loved us where we were. He loved us in our filth. He loved us when we were enemies of him. But he loved us enough to take us away from there. He loved us enough that he wasn't just going to leave us where we are, and that's where we, that's where we kind of miss the mark these days, is we go out and we love people, but we don't tell them, man, you're living wrong. We should love people enough that we're willing to tell them the truth to keep them from going to hell. When my kids do something wrong, I still love them, but I love them enough to tell them, hey, you're living wrong, you've got to change the way you're living. And that's what we've got to do in this community. In Romans Paul says that if it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know sin. Well, how many people in our community don't know they're sinning because we haven't gone out and told them that they're sinning? And that doesn't mean we go out and we just slap them around the head and say, you're stupid, you're sinning. We go to them with love, and we lead them back to God through love. There's a proper way of doing it, and we're not doing it. If we were going out and we were truly sharing God's love, this church would be full today. Every church in this community would be full today. Number two says, Jesus lived for us, and we should live for Jesus. We should put others ahead of ourselves. We should be willing to give up our own personal time and our money and our own personal desires to go out into the community to serve others and to lead others to Christ. 
We should live the way Jesus lived. That doesn't mean we need to be perfect or we have to be perfect. But we can still show Christ even in our failures. When we mess up, do we try to justify it? Or do we humble ourselves and say, you're right, I messed up. Thank you for calling me out on that. I'll do my best not to do it again. And then we're still showing Jesus even when we failed. But when we make excuses for what we've done, we're not showing them Jesus. We're trying to justify what we've done, and we're teaching others to justify what they've done. Number three says Jesus intercedes for us. You see, Jesus is going to be up there as a lawyer for us. Satan's going to be up there trying to tell God, well, this guy did this, this guy did this, this guy did this. And Jesus is going to be up there saying, but I already paid for that. I've already forgiven him for that. That's covered. What he did is covered by the blood. You see, Jesus is standing in the gap for us, and we should be standing in the gap for others. And a little history on standing in the gap. You know, back in biblical times, all these cities were built with walls around them. And when enemies would attack, they would try to knock down a part of the wall. And when they made a gap in the wall, all the soldiers would run to that gap, and they would stand in that gap, and they would fight in that gap and try to save the city. So that's what we got to do. We got to go stand in that gap. We got to take the battle to the streets. And again, this is a spiritual battle. We need to be out there praying for others. We need to be praying for this community. We need to be praying for our teenagers and our, our youth and our school systems and the leaders of this town and our, and our churches. We can't just pray for our church. We got to pray for all the churches in this town. We got to start standing in the gap for the people that don't know God. And number four, Jesus forgives us. So we should forgive others. Man, I'll tell you, that's a lot easier preached than applied. I think we've all struggled with forgiving people sometimes. But Jesus forgave us. And I know the things that I've done that Jesus forgave me over. So why shouldn't I be able to give that same grace to somebody else? Now at the same time, Forgiving somebody doesn't mean we let them back into our lives to do that to us again. But when we forgive, we let go of that burden that we're carrying. We let go of the hatred in our heart. Forgiving somebody helps us more than it helps them. And number five, Jesus restored us. You know, we were all destined to hell. And Jesus came in and he restored us. He saved us. And he brought us into his family. He made us where we were adopted by the Father in heaven. And we should be able to restore others in the same way. You know, a lot of us change our lives. And if we're constantly throwing their past in their face, we're not restoring them. We're trying to keep them down ourselves. We're telling them that, you know, I don't care what you think. God hasn't forgiven you. So when somebody changes their life, we have to be willing to say, you know what? This is awesome, man. Welcome to the family. And number six, Jesus encourages us. And we should encourage others. You know, that's the same as number five. You know, we can't go out and go against people. We need to be encouraging others when they change their life instead of saying, oh, man, you know, he ain't really changed. You know, I've got a lot of people that still say that about me. Me and Max were sitting in here the other day talking, and it's like, man, it's crazy that we're sitting in the church talking right now. You know, Used to, we thought the only time we'd have a conversation like that would be if we were in jail cells. But for me and him to be sitting in a church talking, and he's like, and you're the pastor. I'm like, dude, I know. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, but 
But uh, we need to encourage others to, to fulfill God's will and not hold them back. And how do we do all this? James 4, 7 through 10 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But I read it in the message, and I want to read it to y'all. And it just... It, it was just beautiful the way it says it. It says, so let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he will be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way You'll ever get on your feet. I thought that was beautiful the way it said it. It's just very uh, blunt in the, New, in the New King James, but this was beautiful. But it's the truth. You know, we can't keep playing the field. We can't keep dabbling in sin thinking, oh, it's okay because the world does it. There is a sense of urgency that God is, that the Spirit has really put on me. You know, it's funny, John was talking about the second coming, you know, in the there's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming, and Jesus came. There's a lot of prophecies that Jesus is coming again. So guess what? Jesus is coming again. It's going to happen. And this time we went out and became the church instead of coming to the church. We've got to get out. The Bible says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We've got to change that. We've got to get out and be ministers. We've got to get out and lead this community to God. We got to get out and say, you know, that's sin, and we're not going to accept sin anymore. We're going to draw the line right here, and we're not going to cross it. We're not going to continue to allow sin just to walk free in our in our community, and we're not going to hold it in check. It's time, especially for you men, it's time that we became the men that God created us to be. Man, the sense of urgency on me is just—it's just really been my wife as well. It's just really been on our hearts here lately that we just set back. Man, the time for setting back is over. It's time to get in the battle. It's time to draw your sword and take this battle to the streets and, bring this, and give this community back to God. We're going to be struggling with the loss of a lot of good families. We're going to lose numbers in our school, which is going to cost funding in our school. But if we will truly give this community over to God and we will submit to him, we can't fix the problem, but he will. So will you please stand? You know, we've come to a point now. The altar is going to be open. And if anybody wants healing, prayers for healing, there's a lot of people hurting in here, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. If you want prayers for healing, just come on up. If you want just prayer that you, the, you'll just feel the Holy Spirit and that you'll be able to have that freedom for the first time, come up. If you want to join the church, come up. If you want to accept Jesus for the first time, come up. We'll pray for you. We'll have others up here. If more people come than what I can pray for, we got other people that will pray here. But I encourage you all to step out in faith and step out in boldness and submit to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit run through you instead of keeping them on a leash like I had for so many months. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you, and I just, uh, I just pray for this sense of urgency to just to flow through this congregation, Father, and just let your spirit flow through this congregation. Father, we welcome you here.
And we just ask that you'll just move in our lives in just such a way that people just see you and can't explain it. Father, we just pray for healing over this community, over the bodies in this church. And Father, we just pray that everything we do will glorify you. We love you and praise you. That's your name in Jesus' name. Amen.